It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Smart Money Questions. Walter Storholt here alongside Matt Hausman, the founder of Old Security Group, with offices in Westchester, PA, and Newark, Delaware, but serving clients all across the country. You can find us online at smartmoneyquestions.com. Matt, as always, great to talk with you and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. One of our favorite kinds of episodes where we get to answer questions from listeners. That is kind of great considering that's the name of the website, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Smart Money Questions. Yeah, they're and they're all smart. That's the thing that amazes me. Every single one of these that we get, they're all smart money questions. They're, there's that saying, there's no such thing as a dumb question, but that's really true with, I think, uh, our listener base. For whatever reason, we've just got some really smart cookies in the bunch. That's right. And they're being intriguing, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Intriguing money questions in addition to smart ones as well. So we won't waste a lot of time today. We're going to jump right on into them, and we've got a couple of good ones to throw at you this week, Matt. Uh, Roger is first up. Roger, by the way, is in Atlanta. Roger says, I've had some losses in my IRA recently. Nothing huge, but it still makes me nervous. My broker says he's not worried about it because everything goes up in the long run. But I'm 60 years old, and I'm not sure he understands my sense of urgency. Do you think he's right? Should I just chill out? Well, just to let you know, Roger, is I'm sure most people are looking at their IRA over the course of the last 60, 70 days and, and thinking the same thing. There's been a little bit of uh, a pullback, a little bit of correction. But what I would ask you is, is he right? Well, he is right when you think about in the long run, everything does go up. But the real question that I want to get to is, but I'm 60 years old and I'm not sure he understands my sense of urgency. That in there could be the issue is, have you discussed that with him? Do you understand the risk you're taking and how much money is subject to that risk? You know, if it's not that much, I know none of us want to look at any of our balances and lose money. But when we use the word urgency, are you looking to retire in two months? Are you going to need a lot of that money over the course of the next two years? Then, yeah, that urgency really needs to be discussed with him and maybe come up with a different strategy or put that money in a position that maybe there is no risk or it's drastically reduced. So, The other thing you mentioned is it's nothing huge. And so I would caution you in listening to a lot of what is out there in the media right now talking about, you know, I'm always amazed at this. I'll have meetings, you know, some days I'll have meetings back to back to back to back and I won't be back in my office for four to six hours. But in those days when I come back here is I'll get my phone and I've got an iPhone and, you know, we get those notifications constantly throughout the day. And a couple days over the course of the last like three weeks is I'll go back and I'll look at the text or the notifications I've got over, say, the last four hours. First one, Dow goes down 100, like 15 minutes later. Oh, my God, the Dow's down 125. <laughs> then it's down. Then it's down 400. Then it's down 600. Oh. oh, my gosh. Now it's only down 300. And when we look at that, and even though what you said is it's nothing huge in terms of maybe the loss monetarily is we're so inundated with that, that all of a sudden, maybe fear is going to step into our mind, maybe the other shoes getting ready to drop. So 
have that discussion on what your term of urgency means and make sure that your advisor understands that. And then how your monies are invested, how much of that potentially would be needed over the course of two, three, five, seven years, whenever that is, and what your your urgency or your retirement date is going to be where you're going to need to use that. Then I think that you can have a little more peace of mind and be like myself when I come back and I look at those type of notifications. And by the way, in between there, I also have, you know, the Dallas Cowboys stink. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to throw that out there for all the Eagles fans because the draft is tonight as we're recording this. (laughs) But here's the beauty because I've been hearing this from Eagle fans like for the last, I don't know, since they won the Super Bowl is they couldn't wait for this day to come because they will get the last pick in Dallas at Jerry World and it will be now coming to the stage, the world champion Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the heart of Dallas. Many Eagle fans have been waiting generations for that. So that's going to be awesome. But Roger, to go back to what you were saying, have that conversation with your broker advisor and make sure that he understands your concern about the urgency and get more from him than just, hey, listen, everything always goes up. Mm. So, yeah. So that is that that's how I would address that, Roger. Yeah, yeah, you deserve to get a better response and more information than that, bottom line. Good question, Roger. Lots of people have that kind of question. It's usually somewhere in that form of, hey, is this normal, the thing that my broker or advisor is telling me? Is this normal seems to be a very common question. Is it normal that this happened? Is it normal that he suggested this? Is it normal that he approached it this way? He or she, doesn't matter. That's very common, so don't worry about that. That's a smart money question to ask, Roger, and thank you for submitting that one to us. If you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can do that on smartmoneyquestions.com, maybe where you're listening to the podcast today. Just look for the opportunity to get in touch with the team. All right, Gretchen's got another question as we come back closer to your neck of the woods, but a little bit across the border there to Newark. Good question from Gretchen here. She says, I lost my job. Sorry to hear that, Gretchen. We'll probably be without income for a few months while I find the next one. Is this a good time to do a Roth conversion since I won't have as much income this year as I normally do? I like Gretchen. She's thinking strategically here. And that is something that we've been talking about really since the tax changes that have went into effect January 1 of this year. But really, we should always be looking at that. And Gretchen, what you're thinking about is exactly right. But where we're doing this right now, and Walter, I just thought about this, when this actually gets put up on the site, this that we'll be doing this a year. That's right. The uh, the one-year anniversary of Smart Money one Questions. One-year anniversary. That's right. Good point. Well, congr- happy right. birthday to Smart Money Questions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's great. But I, I say that because that means we're early May. So, Gretchen, I wouldn't necessarily look to do the Roth conversion today. What I would do is if you're out of work for a couple months, but let's say you get another job July, August, even October, and even and with it being higher paying, is you wouldn't want to look at the Roth opportunities until you have a better understanding on what your earned income is going to be for the year. So usually what we advise and what we do for clients is we're looking at that in October and November, get a good indication, and then we can make recommendations at that time. So I definitely think your thinking is exactly right. I just don't know that I would start making conversions today. I would wait until the tail end of the year to have a better understanding on on what your income is going to be. Because when we do Roth conversions, it's taxable. 
So if you're going to convert 10,000 or 100,000, we want to remember that that's creating a taxable situation that we're going to have to pay the tax. So it's a good approach to make sure we have an understanding on all of our other income outside of the Roth conversion when we're doing those calculations. So important to consider all of those different moving parts, Gretchen, but it's a really good question. Good luck, certainly, in the job search as well. Hope you're able to find another opportunity sooner rather than later, but probably the sign of a good employee right there, Matt, somebody who's you know trying to look for silver linings in a tough situation in between jobs like that, trying to maximize what they're able to do in other elements of life. That's just one little sign of probably somebody who's a good employee. So that's our plug. I like that. That's our Not plug. That, that's an abundance mentality, right? Exactly. Exactly. I love that. that. I love that. That's our uh, plug for Gretchen. If any employers are out there in the Newark area, we need to get you in touch with Gretchen. All right, Bill has another smart money question for us. Bill's in New Orleans as uh, we hop down to the uh, southern part of the U.S. And Bill says, I was planning to work for one more year and then retire. But I'm now hearing that we might have some sort of layoffs and I could be offered a severance package equal to one year's salary. So that actually seems like it would be great news since I was only going to work one year anyway. Am I dumb for hoping that I get laid off? No. And Bill, what I'm going to advise you now is to be the exact opposite of Gretchen. And that is start showing up late. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a great, now you're not dumb. You're absolutely smart. uh, If you get that opportunity for the last six months of your working life, be a bad employee, make them do it, get that year off. And then there you go. But the one thing I would tell you, Bill, in the event that they offer you the severance package, and I'm just kidding, hopefully you you remain that good, solid employee until then, is make sure that you are addressing more than just the money. The severance package should also include, if you're not yet 65, how is healthcare going to be taken care of? Healthcare, you know, in between that time, let's say you're 62, 63, we got two years until we're on Medicare is healthcare right now, if you're not offered something through the company, if there aren't retiree health benefits, can be a big financial burden. And you wanna be aware of that. So then that can really diminish what that severance opportunity is financially, because now we have to look for healthcare coverage. But I don't think it's a dumb idea for hoping to get laid off. I think if you look at all of these other things and opportunities that are available to you with not only the money, but if the healthcare is taken care of, then absolutely, I think it's a no-brainer, especially if you were already planning to do that. Yeah, really good question there, Bill. And uh, all kidding aside, it's just sometimes things fall into place like that. Although you could also take that you know, severance package that's going to equal a year for you. You could still work the year you were planning to work anyway and give that severance to Gretchen, who's kind of in you know, a position <laughs> of meeting. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Is that, uh, that's a great one. That's maybe a great maybe one. a little too generous there. But um, in all seriousness, good question, Bill. All right, one more to end the week on as we get a great question here from Kent. Kent is in New York and says, a friend of mine says his – oh, you're going to like this question, Matt. I've already peeked ahead. You're going to like this one. A friend of mine says his financial guy, and he puts financial guy in quotes, put him in some investments that are going to average 10% annually. I think it's mutual funds or something like that. He says investing isn't really that hard if you just get a good money guy. I like this friend, but he's also a bit of a rube, so I don't know how much I believe him (laughs) on this subject. We all have one of those friends, don't we? Should I go talk to his financial guy or instead throw him in the pool at the next neighborhood barbecue? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's my my concern. You know, I just started watching, just to kind of get off, off topic, I just started watching The Office. 
Oh, I've you never just now start. Oh my god! Literally, I am on episode Ugh. two. I am a diehard <laughs> Office fan, man. Oh my goodness! For those of you that are like me that haven't watched it, the first two episodes, I'm in stitches. I mean, oh, it's and just see, unbelievable. And, and I would even say, like, it doesn't even get close to hitting its stride until deep into season two. So, oh, well. because the the jokes well, then, and everything just get better as you get to know the characters more. Oh well, I, I'm looking forward to that. But you yeah, have let's go you, back you to... have started a magical journey, my friend. Good luck <laughs> trying not to waste the next six months of your life watching every single Office episode. Oh, oh my goodness, I'm looking forward to it. If anything, if the rest of what they offer on Netflix is anything like the first two, I can only imagine. So one more thing on on the Office, I'll just I'll just share this with you. You know how some people will put on the weather channel in the background at home. That's sort of the background. Or maybe for like my parents, it's the food channel or the food network. That's just sort of the background. For me, it's the office. I just put the office on as just sort of the background all the time. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's just it's just good stuff. It's easy to pop in and out of. Anyway, I digress. Back to Ken, <laughs> back to Ken's question. Back to Ken. Okay, so here's my first concern, Ken. And that is you're in New York and you have an advisor telling you that he's going to, or his friend is telling you that his advisor is putting him into something that's going to average 10%. And the only person I can think of that offered something like that in New York is behind bars and his name was Madoff. Oops. So <laughs> yeah, I understand that. And many people do this. And I think this is something that is really, we could dive, we could do a whole show on this. And that is there's so much misinformation out there or misunderstanding when we start talking about rates of return, or for instance, in the mortgage industry, what my mortgage is and what rate is. Everyone is always looking at rate as the barometer of how their financial person or advisor or their investments are doing. And in reality, there's so much more to the equation. Not the rate of return is not something we want to look at, but it's not the only thing we want to look at. So I thought it was interesting that you mentioned at the end, at the next neighborhood barbecue, you're going to, should I throw them in the pool? That's usually when this information is always discussed. And people like to brag about it, right? I have some friends that are like to go to the casinos. I've got some other friends that like to do some sports gambling. And the interesting thing about it is, in both scenarios, I never hear about when they lost their butt. I always hear about, all of the successes. But I've got one really good friend of mine who is a real numbers person and likes to do the betting. And he always, he's the only one that's been truthful. And that is, he says, the reality is most people always just break even people like, you know, the normal people betting. So mm -hmm. I would, it's not that you can't go meet with the financial person. Maybe your friend has a misunderstanding on what the quote financial guy offered. But I would also tell you to be very cautious when you go in and talk to him. If the advisor starts sounding like your friend, maybe you throw both of them in the pool at the next barbecue. Yeah, it's a great point. How often do you talk to clients who have thrown their previous financial advisor or friend into the pool over money? Is that a common thing? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, we've had people come in that haven't been too happy with the advisor that they were with when they came on board with us. Or maybe they ha actually had someone in the office just about a week ago and we were talking and he was talking about he hasn't engaged a financial advisor for 20 years because of what he perceived his advisor to do back hmm. then. And many times it isn't a, a rate of return issue that is what the person is upset about. 
many times I find it's either a misunderstanding, miscommunication, or a lot of the times, no communication, no sitting down with the client to walk them through the process. You know, one of the things that I, quite frankly, I like to pride myself on is taking the time to make sure that the conceptual understanding on what we're doing, what we're advising, and why we're doing it is understood by the person we're serving. And constantly doing things even like the podcast and in getting the message out there to help reinforce what it is we're here to do. We're here to serve our clients and offer the advice that we have to be able to help and assist them. So it's not a situation. I had one person tell me the other day, a client been with us for quite a while, and they gave me a, a compliment in that they said, we always feel like you'll sit down and take as much time as needed to help us understand. And quite frankly, I think everyone in the financial world should do that. And kind of reminds me, I'm just thinking now about the time when I sat, Maggie and I sat in front of the doctor and we were going through her situation and I had so many questions and the doctor was so patient with us to kind of explain and make sure we understood why we were doing what we were doing and answer our questions. So when that treatment started, we were comfortable with what was going on. And here's the great thing. And this is what an, I believe an advisor should do. I might be going off a little bit here, a little bit of a tangent, but our doctor, and I believe we do this as advisors, is it was a continual process through Maggie's treatment. And a financial advisor should be looking at that in the same way. I always talk to people that are just coming on board with us. Let me let you know what you can expect from us over the course of the next year, two, five, 10, 15, 20 years. This is what our approach is and making sure they understand they can always come to us. And I'll take any time that is necessary to be able to do that and explain and answer any questions. So if you sit down, Kent, with this particular financial guy, by the way, I love the quotes, the financial guy, and they can answer those and you're comfortable with this quote 10% opportunity then you're making an educated decision and it's not necessarily you're just taking the quote bragging from your friend as to why you did it. But anytime I hear about that, the bragging stuff, I remember back when I was uh, in the mortgage industry, you know, 20 years ago, and everyone would always be talking about and bragging about the rate of return, but they never understood the mortgage. And what they ended up being was the pick and pay mortgages that were negative amortization. And then they wondered why Five years later, they were upside down in the mortgage and the house. So it's just, it's, there's so much that I believe that you should be asking and making sure you're comfortable with the answers, getting those questions answered and being comfortable and understanding them. Sorry to go on a tangent there, Walter. I love the tangents, so no apologies <laughs> needed. I think that's what makes this fun. And that's what relates it back to real life, too, is where we see all these different parallels and connections and things like that. All, I think, very helpful. Great questions. Uh, Roger, Gretchen, Bill, and Kent, thank you for submitting those on smartmoneyquestions.com. Again, if you've got a question about your financial plan, it doesn't have to be one that gets featured here on the show. If you just want to ask Matt Hausman a question one-on-one, -on -one, you just want to give him a call or reach out to him online, ask him something that's on your mind. It might be something as complex as, 
I need a full-blown financial review of my situation. I need, I've never put together a retirement plan. Let's just go for the full kit and caboodle. <laughs> That's fine. It could also be just something as simple as one of these, a particular situation you're going through, and you can have a conversation with Matt about those things if you'd like. He's here as a resource, and you can tap into that knowledge and that experience in this financial world. Here's a couple of ways to do it. You can call him at 610-719-3003. That's 610-719-3003. You do not have to live in the Westchester, Pennsylvania, or Newark, Delaware areas. Matt serves clients in multiple states all across the country. You can email him, info at smartmoneyquestions.com, and you can also find him online at smartmoneyquestions.com. Matt, thanks for answering some of these smart money questions, and we'll look forward to talking to you on the next podcast. Absolutely, man. We appreciate it. For Matt Hausman, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on, well, you know the name of the show at this point, Smart Money Questions.